Humboldt County, California, the most amazing place on earth. Home of some of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. 100% Humboldt is a local podcast honoring those movers and shakers and difference makers who often do it quietly and under the radar to make this the most amazing place on earth. We're getting curious and we're going to learn some new and exciting things and how people make this an amazing place to live. I'm your host, Scott Hammond. Let's learn more about our area and its people. 100% Humboldt. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome uh, to the 100% Humboldt podcast with your host, Scott Hammond, and my new best friend, Wesley Chesbro. Glad to be here. How's it going, Wes? I'm doing good. Good to see you. So we were just talking, you've been 50 years this year from the Arcata City Council. That was my first uh, student wow. council at Humboldt at, uh, State College was a little earlier, but um, my first elected office the outside of student government was city council in 1974. Wow. So this spring, it's 50 yeah. years. So when did it become Humboldt State University? Just shortly thereafter, mid-70s. Yeah. And now we, we look at the camera and go... Cal Poly Humboldt. So everybody has to correct that. I haven't one. quite gotten myself to CPH. That yeah, doesn't quite click for we're me. We're getting there. We're getting there. So uh, here you go. Move that just a little bit closer. There you go. So yeah, no, you have a big history. So you were pretty young on the city council then. 22 years old. Yeah, I had a lot of chutzpah to wow. decide to do that. You know, the that's eight, the that's eight, a word for it. <laughs> the 18-year-old vote had just happened a few years earlier. Okay. And the first person to take advantage of that was Alex Stillman. Uh-huh. Uh, then Fairless, right? Uh, she got elected in '72, right? On the, uh, the the young people were really excited about having the vote, and honestly, I don't think probably she or I would have won those first elections in '72 and '74 if it weren't for a huge turnout in the right. dorms, right? And Victor Green came in somewhere a few years later, '79, yeah. '80, something like that. Now he he tells me now that he works at In and Out Burger, he's like the ambassador. He's the greeter. He's the he is the number one greeter. Hi, Victor. Great job for Victor. Oh man, he's. He's he's energetic. They'll just Abundant fountain of energy. Yeah, no, still. And he he goes, no, I was the number. I was the first mayor, youngest mayor of Arcata, so he had to be pretty young. And too. you know what? I, they never made me mayor, so I never. You never I, were married. You know, they rotated between the council members, but huh. it didn't make that one. I was, I think, a little too full of myself. <laughs> so tell me the Wesley story. Were you raised in SoCal like a lot of us, and came to Humboldt? And uh, love to hear that. Uh, when I was born, we lived in Arizona. Although my mom didn't trust the hospital in Nogales, hmm. so she came over to stay with her sister, and I was born in Glendale. Okay. And most of my childhood was spent in Southern California. And my dad uh, was from the Pacific Northwest. Okay. And we took several summer vacations to the Pacific Northwest, hmm. one of which was to the Seattle World's Fair, which was wow. 62 or 63. Right, right. And we camped at Richardson's Grove. Wow. And I was in awe of those big trees. Yeah. And uh, they're bigger now. Oh, yeah, they are. I was more than 50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, probably 60 years ago. Right. And uh, still growing. And it rained. And, and I don't know how many listeners remember the Hartsook Inn, which the building is still sure. there oh, yeah. across, the, across the road. Yeah. So it rained, so we didn't have to eat mom's mush for breakfast. We got to go to Hartsook oh, and, uh, that's and cool. have pancakes, you know? Yeah. So that that's, one of my, that's my earliest Humboldt memory. That was a whole restaurant and setup then. Yeah. 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 What part of Southern California? I went to high school in South Pasadena. Okay. But my dad, uh, before becoming a teacher, was a, a pastor in Spanish-speaking churches. How about that? And we uh, moved a lot into a free Methodist church, and Methodists have the habit of rotating their pastors every four or five years. Yeah, they do. So my dad got kind of sick of that and became a, a teacher instead. But huh. and then we settled down in South Pasadena. Yeah. Bethany uh, Shea, who's one of my first guests, she's 
Methodist pastor and Catalyst pastor up in Arcata. She's terrific. Hi, Bethany. Um, how about, so Southern Pasadena, t- quick story, got arrested there when we were teenagers. We met a gal at Hotel Del Coronado. Nick doesn't know this story, so I'll tell it. And she said, come on up to Pasadena. And we, we got out of the Amtrak and we flag a cop down. Hey, where's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven street. And he goes, get in the car. I'll show you. <laughs> Texas. Me and Philip, hi Phil. He takes us all the way to uh, Cindy's house, and we got to meet her mother for the first time. And uh, he confirmed we were not runaways, and it was legit. He took off. She goes, "You guys get the hell out of here," <laughs> as any good parent would do, probably. So, uh, anyway, that was our fun story. We uh, we spent the weekend in Pasadena, went up to the mountains to uh, is it Mount Wilson? Mm-hmm. That was kind of neat. It's the big mount that you some days you can see it and some days you can't. Yeah, because yeah. the smog rolls in and. Uh, Oh, man. Yeah, just a few miles away. Oh, I'd only heard the rumors because we were San Diego and it was still kind of relatively untouched. But you're above that and you could look over and, and it was purple. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't uh, fog. So my second time, I uh, during a year of uh, teenage troublemaking, I hitchhiked through Arcade on the way up to see my brother at Fort Lewis in, in Washington State huh. and uh, spent the night in Arcade. And that would have been about 1967. How about that? Well, so then so you came next, up. Next time you see a hitchhiker or a young person that seems like they aren't quite anchored uh, in any particular place, uh-huh. you know, you might look at them and say, "That's a f- might be a future state senator." So that, you could, better, that guy could. You better treat him like a human being. He'd go all the way. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He's another human being. So, uh, how did you then make that transition to Humboldt? Was it Humboldt, Humboldt State College? State College. Yeah. So it was that, teachers' college before that. Well, I don't go back that far. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're old, but you're not that old. I do go back to Humboldt State College. Uh, well, I remembered Arcata. I remembered the Redwoods, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I I was listening to your Patrick Cleary interview where he talked about finding the place furthest west from New York. Yeah. Well, Patrick's I'm the point. <laughs> example of the person who wanted to afford a state university education, but wanted to get as far north as I could get. And yeah. and it felt, uh, I, I've always had a hankering to get back to the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. I thought Humboldt might be a stepping stone. I'd wind up up on Puget Sound. But yeah. once I got here, I stayed. Let me locate Humboldt State for our watchers, listeners. It's uh, right up here on the north. Here's Eureka, the county seat. It, it's funny because I do this all the time, so it's kind of it's not vaguely it's not even funny anymore. But Arcata is right here at the top, and that's where Humboldt. I'm sorry, Cal Poly Humboldt is now, which is still a remarkable. I think school. we can still call it Humboldt. Yeah, everybody's hey, it's Humboldt. He, did you go to Humboldt? I went to I went to Humboldt, majored in uh, recreation administration, class of '82. My kids go what recess? What what is that? So anyway, so Janet Cole actually introduced me once in a Toastmasters thing. She goes. Yeah, did you major in recess? What is that? It's so right, vaguely funny. So what did you study at Humboldt? Uh, well, I, I studied uh, first natural resources, mm-hmm. and then I moved to political science. Mm-hmm. And here's the really weird story, is that uh, I never graduated from Humboldt. I graduated from the University of San Francisco. How about that? When I got elected to city council, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I thought politics was my education, and I dropped out. Wow. Um, but uh, from the <clears throat> get-go— Humboldt was the Humboldt State College. Now Cal Poly was the place that nurtured me and mm-hmm. gave me the confidence and made me really who I was and who I am. Right. So I still always have always felt like an alum. And for years, um, 
Dr. McCrone at the time would mm-hmm. introduce me as an alum at events. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd look at my shoes. Uh, so finally, I went up to him and I him? said, I said, Dr. McCrone, I hate to tell you, but I didn't graduate from Humboldt. Wow. And he looked at me and says, I know that. Look up alumnus, alumni in the dictionary. That's funny. Turns out it just means attended. You went there. And then Connie Stewart nominated me and I was selected to be one of the distinguished alums. Wow. And I had to get up in front of a whole crowd, a whole room of people and say, <laughs> I'm the first uh, d- distinguished alum who didn't graduate. Didn't actually graduate. That's okay. I'm not pretending. It's true. Yeah. But in fact, uh, my experiences as a student in student politics and the classes I took and the people I was inspired by really were the, what launched me into a lifetime in, in, of political activism. Sure. Sure. Now you're on the... I was on the just the backside and came up in 78, fall of 78. So Humboldt was a little bit more radical because of the Vietnam era in the, in the early 70s, right? There was... Yeah, I came in 1969. Okay. And the following spring, Nixon bombed Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Students got shot at Kent State right. for protesting and uh, radicalized a whole bunch of us. And sure. uh, uh, students shut the campus down with a student strike. And there was a, there was a rally in the quad in front of the theater there by the Fulkerson Recital Hall right. with uh, virtually every student, not 100%, but probably 80% of the student body showing up. Huh. And uh, I think I've heard that story. Did it shut down for a number of days? Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, the students went out, cut their hair, went out and canvassed for anti-war uh, uh, purpose in the community. Uh-huh. Uh, it was quite a experience. They had a strike headquarters at uh, what was Northtown's Books in Northtown Arcata. Right. So. Huh. And that was 69? No, that would have been night, spring of 1970, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So, so Humboldt saw some ramifications from all that was going on nationally. And there were... A, there was a convergence of things that happened. The uh, Earth Day happened. Uh, oh, right. And uh, the, the North Coast Environmental Center was formed. Mm-hmm. Um, a ho- uh, open door clinic, the, which originally was a ragtag mm-hmm. hippie clinic with a bunch of volunteer uh, providers. That Spetzler, Herman uh, Spetzler. That, that evolved into our, our primary care provider of the county, you know. Which is Wonderful. Yeah, we're really lucky to have it, even though there's a lot of holes in the system. We call it the medical desert, Joni and I. Yeah. yeah. My wife had a stroke nine months ago, and she's she's recovered fine, And but uh, the journey's been hellacious. Yeah. Well, lack of specialty care is something that we feel all the time. Yeah, yeah, and we want to support that big time. Yeah, so uh, so you graduated then, and, and then... Or, well, or, I actually didn't... I'm sorry, you did graduate. I didn't graduate till many years later. Did you then end up living in San Francisco? No, oh. no. I, I went... When I was in Sacramento, which I guess we'll eventually get to here. Sure. Um, I went to a branch campus in uh, Sacramento. I did have to go to San Francisco from on occasion for okay. for things, but uh, most took most of my class coursework in Sacramento and graduated from the Sacramento branch campus. So give me the... the, the, uh, the, uh, the um, Ascension. So city council, right to state senator? Uh, no, it was a long and winding There's road. There's a gap in there, right? <laughs> a long and winding road. And okay. I'll try to el- not elongate it any longer than it already is. Uh, two terms on the city council. Mm-hmm. I elected twice. Mm-hmm. Um, helped manage the campaign for my predecessor on the board, Sarah Parsons. Sure. Um, she was a re- remarkable lady, right? Well, she could, she believed all the same things I did, but she was had white hair and pearls and a southern accent. She seemed was, to have a great rep. Re- was so diplomatic that everyone loved her. Ah. And I said the same things and, and as a 25-year-old, and people were, yeah. you know, horrified. But she, she had a nice uh, manner. She did. <laughs> she did. Um, and then in, ni- in 1980, when I 
had lunch with her to talk about her re-election campaign. She said, I'm not running. I think you should, Wesley. How about that? And uh, I was huh. I was 30 years old and huh. uh, ran for supervisor. Every one of my elections, by the way, the first time out was I won by a smidgen. Hmm. Fortunately, re-elections came easier as time passed. Sure. Uh, and that was a real tight election because uh, even with the growth at Humboldt State, uh, Arcata was still a fairly conservative community, and oh, yeah. the outlying areas like Bayside and Freshwater and were wow. um, not so friendly to the university and to sure. to young upstarts from Southern California. It's kind of shifted a little bit, but yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, so I sp- I got elected three times to the Board of Supervisors, hmm. 1980 to 1990. Who'd you run against on th- in those years? Uh, I think my first opponent was a guy <laughs> named uh, Tony Zanoni, huh. um, who uh, was from a— Longtime Humboldt family from down around Petrolia, mm-hmm. I think, but who uh, I, I, my memories, it's been a long time. Sure. I think he was in real estate. Okay. Uh, Another well. name, I think. Yeah. Um, and then uh, actually the third time I ran, I ran unopposed, which was the only time t- in 10 elections I've had. Wow. And only one of them did I run unopposed. Those are the good ones. And uh, well, <laughs> easier. I, I, <laughs> it, it's very strange, but, you know, you almost feel like you didn't have to work for it. Yeah. Uh, so it took me a little while to adjust to that. I still ran a campaign. I walked door to door and hung signs up because I thought the yeah. voters deserved to have me ask them. Connection, yeah. So then I, I skipped over having been the first director of the Arcata Recycling Center. Huh. Uh, back in the days with my chutzpah, I always claimed I was the founder, but in fact, it was a broad community effort that sure. I, I was part of. You're lucky um, to be part of <laughs> Right. But because of that, I, and also having the Cummins Road a County landfill in my district, I became very focused on recycling and solid waste and landfills. Yeah. And uh, worked, and as a result, got appointed to several statewide committees and commissions working on legislation and policy statewide. And uh, in 19, the late 80s, the legislature passed California's recycling mandate law that required every city and county to cut its waste stream in half. Yeah. And they appointed a full time. They created a full time board. Huh. Um, and uh, I was fortunate enough and quite amazing that a county supervisor from Little Old Humboldt County got appointed to the f- first uh, uh, iteration of the California Integrated Waste Management Board. So sure, uh, I took this job in Sacramento. So that's a full time gig. Then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, kept my home here. Mm-hmm. Promised when I resigned the board that uh, I'd be back in four years. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And how many years was that again? It turned into twenty seven. <laughs> Did you live right in Sac or? Yeah, outside in the burbs, out in the suburbs, Car- oh. Carmichael. Oh, yeah. Um, but we kept our house on South H and stayed registered to vote here. Okay. Uh, and intended to return in four years, turned into eight, mm-hmm. got reappointed to the board. And then in 1998, the Senate seat opened up, the state Senate seat. Mm-hmm. And um, no, usually a Senate seat, the candidates tend to come from having already served in the state assembly, but there was nobody with that background, including Dan Hauser, who had previously represented us mm-hmm. in the assembly, were interested in running. So my phone started ringing and people saying, you know, you ought to hey. think about this. Yeah. So I ran for the state Senate mm-hmm. and served in the Senate uh, for the, the uh, eight years that term limits allowed me. Mm-hmm. Turned around two years later, ran for the assembly. So I kind of went, so you went to, the other way. Kind of went yeah. to high school first, and then junior high school. So who'd you run against in the the, the Senate first? Uh, of all? A guy named John Jordan. Jordan, okay. And he's he from down below. He's from a wealthy Texas oil family that owned a winery in Sonoma County. <laughs> they, they spent six million dollars on trying to get him elected. Jeez. And I had to raise half that to even be 
in the race. Show up, yeah. In the end, I, I beat him pretty good by about 10 percentage points, but um, it was uh, intense. And the only thing he had to hang on me was it, he didn't have any experience or history of his own. Huh. Uh, and so he accused me of being a carpetbagger, even though my kids were born here. I'd owned a home here since my mid-20s. Huh. Uh, I'd voted in every election here. Wait, he's the one from Texas. I, well, he I think he grew up here, but his yeah. family's a— from Texas. How about that? Um, anyway, it was a hairy, but I, it wound up uh, turning out pretty well. Six million dollars. That's a lot of money even yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Huh. How about that? Who'd you run against the second time? Uh, I don't even remember. Remember. Now I'm asking. Yeah. So you went the I other think way. It was, a, it was a woman from Lake County. Okay. Then you went back to the assembly. So 14 years altogether. Huh. And then um, when I was done, and we have term limits, so, and I was ready to be done. Yeah. And the, really the whole time I was in Sacramento, all I could think about was coming home. Sure. Because, uh, you know, living there was not my my chosen lifestyle. It's where the work was, the opportunity to affect things for the people uh, that I care about. And SAC was exploding yeah. in growth, right, at and, that time. Uh, and hot and, and muggy. So I just constantly pined for home. But when I got done, my wife had evolved into a community college instructor in Sacramento. Oh, okay. Had been teaching for a number of years mm -hmm. and wasn't ready to retire. So we spent a few more years uh, there before we uh, then came on home. And that's where we had the early morning United flight from SAC, right? At, we used to have at it. At 5 a.m. and we get here oh, pretty early. <laughs> but I beats the heck out of driving, so. Oh, man. But so, yeah, I really I really felt a sense of loss when that, uh, when that went away. That's a pretty key flight. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That, so that's, a, that's a nutshell. That's a that's a history. So fit, 40 years in, in either elected or appointed mm -hmm. office, so. So if you were to grab top three takeaways of your your mission in, in that in that public service. What would you? What were you about? What did What did you want to see? Well, that kind of uh, evolved mm -hmm. over time. Yeah, as I, okay. as you could say I grew, grew up in politics. I mean, when you elect a twenty two year old, they still have a lot of life lessons to learn. Oh boy! And I think I started out um, believing that the the job of an elected official is to advance their own ideas and and push forward a very specific agenda. Uh, over a long period of time, I evolved into understanding that the primary job of an elected official is to bring people together of different points of view sure. and so, to solve problems. Um, and that means you don't let go of your personal point of view, mm -hmm. uh, but you, uh, uh, first of all, respect other points of view. Right. And you realize that the solutions aren't going to happen unless you find a way for people to listen to each other and compromise. Yeah. And uh, that was a long road. Man, I want to insert a comment right now about today and the environment we've well, been in. Well, as 10 I years. went that way, the rest of the world went. The rest of the country went the other way. Yeah, and I'm not just talking about the right wing. I'm talking about the left wing. Everybody went to their corners, and compromise is a dirty word, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that was a great frustration to me. Uh, Which is the strength of what we're built on, right? As a nation. Well, and, and I'm hopeful that this is a cycle we're in, and that people will, well, as as we fail to address a lot of important problems. People will go back to trying to find mutually, yeah. uh, mutually agreeable solutions. Um, super, super common thread with people that are sitting in that chair here for the last six months, right? That if if people could figure out how to get it together and work together in the the C word, yeah, the other C word. So on the city council, I was part of a majority, and we made big changes mm -hmm. in Arcata. We, adopt, <laughs> we adopted a new general plan that. Protected all of the, the farm, most of the farmland around Arcata. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, fought to establish the Arcata Marsh Project. We wow. started Humboldt County's first uh, bus transit system. Um, right. Did a lot of 
I think park, was the park part of that Redwood Park was that part of the well the, establishment. That's another thing I, I learned, uh -huh. and, it's, and the park is a, a, the for, community forest right. is a good example. You know, all of us stand on the shoulders of people before us, even the people who we disagree with a lot. Sure. And one of the things I have come to see is that people that we uh, we chased out of office and replaced. Uh, did a lot of good things. <laughs> nice. Okay. And the, the forest Fair. was acquired by the city long before we came along. They had it for 50s? Uh, I'm not sure exactly when it was. There's a nice little plaque. If folks are up at Redwood Park and they want to walk over to where the trail goes up, there's yeah. a little plaque that lists all the city council members at the time. And believe me, it was well before my time. Wow. But we did uh, adopt the now world-recognized sustainable forest plan because it had not been previously uh, the park itself was preserved, but the yeah. outer areas of the community forest was being harvested in right. more traditional uh, commercial fashion. Uh, the sure. city loved the revenue, of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I think we accomplished was to move the move that the forest towards a uh, uh, not only a sustainable basis, but also gradually restoring old growth characteristics by growing larger and larger trees. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of our significant accomplishments. But if the previous very conservative city council had not acquired that forest originally, we wouldn't have owned a forest. Right, right. Another example is the marsh. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a long and complicated story. And I can only give you the nutshell version, but yeah. um, we fought the other entities in Humboldt County who wanted all the federal money to build a gigantic centralized sewage treatment plant where everybody's sewage would be piped. Oh, really? And, okay. you know, Eureka had only primary treatment. McKinneyville had none. Right. Rainy winter like this, you yeah. could smell it, it running had in the ditches. Yeah, it had ditches along Central Avenue. Is yeah, what well, I... the septic tank sometimes worked, and but Gross. overflowed from the rain, you know. Oh, man. Arcata had built a primary treatment plant. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think a secondary, a second, excuse me, a secondary treatment That was plant. already down there? It was already down there. So there was already a level of treatment that the marsh then uh, established the further level of, uh, of improvement of the water before it's discharged into the bay. Right. And, but again, like the forest— we would not have been able to pull that off if there had not been a far-sighted effort to clean up Arcata's pollution right. ahead of us, us really smart newcomers who thought we invented the wheel. Because that was the junkyard, right? Yeah. That was the dump, right? It was the dump at one point. Yeah. And so Frank Klopp, he was the, was he the? Well, he and uh, he and his team. Yeah, there was a group. Yeah, um, it was really a team effort. And one of the unique things about the Marsh Project that's long forgotten is that. Arcata was extremely polarized at the time between the old timers and more conservative folks and us newcomers, university oriented folks. Um, and because of the cost of a giant regional plant and the fact that the city had already invested in the existing sewage treatment plant, mm -hmm. it brought the sides together. We had, uh, we were a little nervous about pursuing the marsh because the state was threatening to put a building moratorium on Arcata and to punish us for not going along. Oh, wow. And we thought we better ask the voters if, they, if this is what they want. Because then we can, if there's a price to be paid, at least the voters will have helped us decide this, right? Sure. So you put it on the ballot? So we put it on the ballot and it was supported by everybody and it passed with like 85% of the vote. So yeah. it was a moment of unity at a time, in a time when- I love it. You know, Redwood National Park, uh, you know, the Coastal Commission, all these- Forest practices were mm -hmm. all very contentious, but the marsh did bring bring people together. And there was a, a working group of university folks, Frank Klopp, the, the engineer, mm -hmm. uh, Mayor Dan Hauser at the time, mm -hmm. uh, all working together to uh, come up with this unique design. So this consortium of, of brains and agencies. And um, 
Real fast, because a lot of people would go, hey, I go to the marsh and I walk and I see birds. Real, real quick, in 30 seconds, it has a unique, world-class, iconic story, right? It was it was a dump that has been converted into something exponentially more useful. Well, it, it is, in fact, the third stage of the sewage treatment for Arcata. Now, it's not raw sewage going into the marsh. It's already secondarily treated. That's right. the, the, But the there are nutrients remaining in the... Our, our waste that we uh, ship to the treatment plant yeah. that then are the basis for a food chain and an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. It feeds plants, it feeds fish, it feeds, and which in turn feed birds. And it's 50 years old, so it works. Yeah. It, well, it's it's not perfect yeah. and it's been under, it's and it's being modified and upgraded because it isn't sure. perfect. Um, a lot's been learned over the years. Mm -hmm. But uh, that kind of leads me to another thing I wanted to sure. talk yeah. about, which sure. is um, the university and Humboldt County uh, provide a, uh, a, a, a connection to the world that is not always recognized. Hmm. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Sure. Uh, the marsh treatment system that was pioneered by Arcata has been replicated in communities all over the world. Right. And the largest example, which is, I don't know how many hundred times as large, hmm. is there's a marsh treatment system downstream from the ag land uh, outside of... Um, the uh, wetlands of Southern Florida. Oh, how about that? And so the ag, ag waste, the nutrients that are in the ag, the, the nitrogen from the fertilizer and uh, is filtered through the marsh mm -hmm. and uh, winds up, um, winds up providing a much higher uh, uh, water quality that flo then flows into. Is that near the Everglades? It's the Everglades. That's okay. what we're talking National about. National park. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so uh, graduate students, uh, Bob Gearhart, Bob Gearhart, who was who was the engineering uh, prophet Humboldt, who was part of the task force mm -hmm. working group, and really he and his students did a lot of the actual engineering and design work. Uh, after he retired, he went off and and worked with communities around the world as he have did as did his students, and so it's an example of Humboldt. And I don't just want to confine it to Arcata, but sure. Humboldt's uh, capacity for experimentation, bringing together. Uh, creativity yeah. and intelligence and experimentation, and then rippling out uh, and having a, a beneficial effect. Another example, when I was on the Integrated Waste Management Board, uh, there's a national group called the National Recycling Congress, and they have a big conference every year somewhere in the country mm -hmm. where all the recyclers, private industry, environmental activists, government people all come together. And the whole time I was on the waste Integrated Waste Management Board, I attended those conferences. Mm. And every year there would be a uh, Humboldt powwow of recyclers who are Humboldt State graduates. Huh. Uh, and I went, I mean, 50 people would show up, all alums. Humboldt State at, at the conference? Well, I, I mean, it would be in a, on a in a pub somewhere near the conference. <laughs> okay. Um, or, and, Better yet. Um, and people would go around and introduce themselves and talk about what they're doing. And huh. two examples that I remember come to mind. One of them was, and this is... Uh, pre-DeSantis. Mm -hmm. He was the solid waste uh, director for the state of Florida huh. and was pursuing recycling programs in Florida. Another one uh, was the recycling director for American Airlines. And these were students who volunteered with the Campus Recycling Project and the huh. Arcata Recycling Center. Yeah. Um, again, uh, and, and by the way, on the staff at the uh, newly created Integrated Waste Management Board, there were about 30 or 40 Humboldt State grads. So you know. Humboldt has a heritage that ripples. And, and, and yeah. yeah, and I think that continues. And we need to think of yeah. we need to think of the university and the university growth. 
mm-hmm. and the diversification of the makeup of the student body mm-hmm. as all our, uh, our contribution to uh, making the world a better place. Love it. I think it's a, yeah. a big part of who we are. I had a big, I had a big connection to the Buckhouse, and I was in Cluster, and we we stayed and taught and learned at, up at the Buckhouse, which was it was CCAT. Was that what it was mm-hmm. called? It was it was a, a model for recycling and gray water and the whole nine. I mean, maybe then out of that, and I don't know how much it's connected, but the Schatz Energy Lab is another example of mm-hmm. where research has been done that makes a significant impact in terms of our efforts to move to more sustainable energy supplies and conservation mm-hmm. in order to address climate change. So, yeah. So that Buckhouse model and, and us knucklehead students that, that kind of hung out there, um, you know, it had it all it had the yurt, the, the yurt in the back and right. the gray water system. And it wasn't, just some, garden. it wasn't just some kooky hippie arcade thing. No, it was, uh, it's it was become mainstream. Yeah. Now it's mainstream. Yeah. Now, now people, now that's what it's about. Yeah. It's interesting. So you're, when I listen to you, you come from an era of where recycling was new and being adopted, um, where we're doing some major things in Arcata, the park, you know, the Redwood park, um, Community forest, which, by the way, I was going to say, it seems like it's really used a lot now, like like pre and post COVID. It's like people rediscovered, and like there's my wife runs there and hikes there all the time, and there, she says there's always people there, and it's a destination because it's closer in. To mm-hmm. the, it's not an old growth forest, but it is uh, as close as we've got. Mm-hmm. Close in, uh, you don't have to hike to Headwaters or drive to Humboldt Redwoods or to Prairie Creek, right? Uh, and people, I know when we have visitors. Um, if they don't have the time or the mm-hmm. uh, ability to make it to the more outlying uh, old growth redwood forest, it's hey. it's a it's a pretty decent substitute. It'll do, yeah, and yeah. it gets better as time passes it because of the way the city is managing it. Yeah, and it ages well. And so Sequoia Park, on the other hand, in Eureka is it's okay, but it's not it's not the same it's not the same size or anything. But the, I think the McKay Tract has uh, some elements, some uh, some specific uh, parts of it that uh, do have some of those characteristics. And it, I don't, I'm not involved in it, and I don't know specifically. Mm-hmm. But my impression is that they aspire to mm-hmm. move towards uh, something comparable to what Arcata has done. Gotcha. Know? Yeah. So you've been part of a big bunch of history there. So who is Wesley Chesbro, and and what do you want? <laughs> who am I? What do I want? Yeah, I was asked. This, so that's a, the two. Jody's father made up those questions. I'm sure he got it from some other guy. But the idea of uh, how would you characterize yourself and what's your what's your desire going forward for, say, the county or the world? Well, I guess, uh, you know, I grew up in a family that was involved in serving others, mm-hmm. either through the ministry or through teaching. I'm the odd one out. I didn't become a school teacher. Mm-hmm. My wife, my brother, my brother-in-law, huh. uh, you know, it's, it's uh, a, a thread through— uh, my whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that influenced me to believe that uh, serving others is what it's about. And so that's Absolutely. what I've really spent my life doing. And I'm uh, sell to, still to some degree through some volunteer work mm-hmm. um, in a much much smaller capacity, yeah. uh, trying to continue to do my part, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, recent uh, events, including the increased understanding of climate change, have really challenged my uh, – my belief in the direct line of uh, uh, improvement in, hum- in the human condition. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. as an idealist in the 60s and the 70s, that was the dream. Yeah. And now I realize that there's steps forward and steps back. Uh, yeah. And we've got a long ways to go. But uh, making the world a better place for 
not only for all species, but also for human beings. Amen, brother. Um, yeah. And so that's always been real high on my list. And I always felt as much as it as when you run a campaign, you're putting yourself out there and it's kind of an ego trip. I always felt like I was part of something bigger than myself, you know, mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. it was really a larger effort to improve things. Yeah, I like it. I like the, the concept of stewardship uh -huh. and being that guy. Um, so talked about the past a little bit. Um, let's talk about the present real quick in, in terms of what you see happening, uh, Humboldt, Northern Humboldt, and, and then we'll talk a little bit about the future, what you would like to, what you see, what you'd like to see. Um, what's going on right now that you kind of like uh, in the county and, and maybe some of the challenges too. Yeah. Well, we are uh, a truly unique place. Mm -hmm. um, and to some degree, that makes us a little smug and a little bit, you know, patting ourselves there's, on the back. a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most, of the, most of what's unique about us, we didn't create. God did. <laughs> and nature did. Uh, but it's attracted, uh, I think, a level of creativity mm -hmm. and capacity, um, whether it's in the arts or business or uh, uh, environmental protection um, that really puts us in a, in, a, in a pretty special place that is human driven. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, we have, I think, uh, that's part of what's built this place to be what it is. Uh, going back to the university, mm -hmm. though, uh, if we didn't have that university, we'd be a beautiful place like Crescent City. And I'm not putting Crescent City down yeah. for those of you that are watching. Or Coos Bay. Or Coos Bay or Susanville. Beautiful places. Yeah. But we'd be a white spot in the road, you know, yeah. economically, culturally. Mm -hmm. And so I really have to say that it's a vortex of the natural environment, the university, and the kinds of people who have been attracted mm -hmm. here, um, and some of whom were born and raised here, like Julie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Who really make a tremendous contribution. Although in most cases, people like Julie had to leave and then, re and then realize, oh. And come back. <laughs> um, but uh, – Nonetheless, I think that's what what made me homesick the whole time I was in Sacramento, mm -hmm. uh, but also drove me to want to represent this place in a way that I the best way that I possibly could. There's a under undercurrent though of um, self satisfaction hmm. and uh, resistance to change that is uh, um, can be a negative. Oh yeah. I think the change, um, change is our friend. Change is inevitable. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, well, we have to make it our friend. Yeah. <laughs> it isn't always our friend. Yeah. But I think um, we're part of a larger world. And I think maybe being in the legislature and, and working with people who represented mm. every different kind of place in the state see it, yeah. gave me a much broader perspective. Mm -hmm. I came to see the university as part of the larger effort to educate future generations and not just our own quaint little uh, sure. Institution. Bigger picture. Um, yeah. Somebody called it the Humboldt. No. Yeah. What's we want to do? No. It's yeah. just it. There is an arrogance and a and a, a limited. We're not curious. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. You know, we're, we're let's. Yeah. So maybe it's a Humboldt. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's really what I believe in. You know, or and, maybe. And, and well, it should be yes, but because I don't think we should just. Um, say that all change is good, all growth is good. But, sure. um, you know, we do have to share the planet with other human beings mm -hmm. and we have to share the bounty of what we have. Mm -hmm. uh, and frankly, uh, one of the other things I've learned is to have compassion for the people who lived here before we showed up sure. and uh, wondered who the heck we were and why we wanted to change things. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, those are, are lessons that I feel blessed with that I sometimes have to get in arguments with my friends about. Um one of the things that 
happened to me when I came home. It was about the time that Josiah, Josiah Lawson was murdered. Mm-hmm. And I came to be aware through various means that students of color, which are now 50% of the student body at Cal wow. Poly. How about that? Yeah, about 40% uh, Latino or Latinx, mm-hmm. about 10% uh, black and, and native uh, indigenous wow. folks, um, that they're not always made to feel welcome. Hmm. And, you know, Arcata, I, I do remember uh, Lake Wobegon uh, sure. on NPR. Absolutely. Well, every, every Saturday. My line about Lake Wobegon is, uh, you know, uh, all the children are not above average and Arcata is not Nirvana. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, and we have our imperfections and racism exists everywhere. Sure. Um, and I, uh, I, one particular thing that really pushed me was there were a couple of graduate students uh, at Humboldt who did a project where they interviewed students of color about their experience of living in Arcata. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put them online and I watched some of them. Not too flattering. Broke my heart. Yeah. There was one young black woman who said that she'd had, she'd been called a name and been treated badly in her first few months in Arcata. Hmm. And I start to tear up when I tell this story because I bawled when I first saw it. Yeah. Um, she said she went back to campus and never left. And she was transferring for her senior year to Hayward. Sad. And that just right. uh, really uh, is a counter to the narrative that we all have. And I'm not pointing fingers because I have that same kind of aren't we great yeah. mindset. Yeah. But I decided to get involved in a small way mm-hmm. in volunteering to be more – to try to uh, make Arcata feel like a more welcoming community mm-hmm. for those students. Actually, all students, but sure. specifically focusing on students of color. Yeah. So I'm part of a working group uh, called Home Away From Home. Hmm. And four times a year, we do uh, community potlucks where we uh, invite all students, but our message is really directed to the students of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we feed a couple hundred students, and we provide each of them with a bag of uh, goodies, household goods, and personal care items. That's cool. Um, where, do you do, where do you do the dinner? At the D Street uh, Community mm-hmm. Center, Pure. Neighborhood Center, yep. which is right there by the off-ramp. Just walk. As a student, yeah. go right there. Um, and we've contemplated trying to move somewhere bigger because that place sometimes gets packed with students. Right. Uh, I hope the fire marshal isn't watching um, <laughs> or listening. We won't tell them. But, uh, uh, but, you know, it's so close to campus and the students we most want to reach are students like that young woman yeah. who, who've been delivered a message that they don't belong here. Yeah. And uh, we want to deliver a message to them that they do. And if and, our, our kid is guilty, I can't imagine... And I won't call it another city name right now, but other outlying areas mm-hmm. would be subject to similar behavior. But there's a, uh, I mean, I was kind of shocked. And when I have this conversation individually with people, because they say, what are you doing, Wes? <coughs> mm-hmm. And I tell them about this. Um, a lot of them are very taken aback. I think there's a ability, you know, most of us white people were raised to believe that the problems were in the past and we're all... I'll pass to that, pass that. LBJ fixed all that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the 60s took care of that. Right. right? Yeah, no. And when you live in a generally tolerant liberal community, there's a in, there's a difficulty in seeing uh, what's wrong as well. That's a and really so great. It gives me a chance to have a conversation with people mm-hmm. and talk to them about it, and make them think about it too, you know. Um, yeah. That, and, that must have a name, that, that uh, uh, obtuse blindness to... Um, whether it's liberal or conservative or in moderate, I think there's a blindness to um... self-reflection. Yeah, or, or, it's not just individual reflection. Yeah. It's not finger pointing. It's not saying because you don't haven't noticed it, right. you're some kind of terrible person. Right. It's it's um, learning. It's a it's a path. It's but a it's journey. really discomforting. Yeah, 
it's yeah. not, not a comfortable topic. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, you, I think it's great you brought it up, by the way. But the, uh, yeah, to, to think that we would suffer from that and, and on, you know, those are, those are the guys that we love. We want to bring everybody into the. Well, and they're the, they're the future uh, uh, environmental engineers uh, who are going to go out and provide big solutions and change the world. And, and, you know, the world is not all, especially and increasingly California mm. is not all middle-class white people. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, the CSU system is, is educating a group of people that we need to yeah. be educated. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm proud that Arcata and Humboldt is part of that and providing that, you know, yeah. so um, the other uh, volunteer gig uh, that I've recently resigned from, <laughs> but I spent <laughs> quite a few years after I left the legislature on the board of something called the Pacific Forest Trust. Mm -hmm. And it's um, a forest conservation organization that works to provide financial incentives for private forest landowners to prioritize not just producing lumber, mm -hmm. but producing trees that sequester carbon and fight climate change, provides mm -hmm. wildlife and fishery, fish habitat. Mm -hmm. um, there's a variety of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the Pacific Forest is based in San Francisco. The other board member I served with is Andy, Andrea Tuttle, who's well known to many of your viewers and listeners. Um, but I spent quite a few years uh, working with them on forest policy in Sacramento. So I'm pretty much removed now from the Sacramento scene and no right. longer on the on the board. But that right. was another volunteer gig that I've been working. And that differs from the uh, land trust that uh, Dennis Rail is part of. And they, they, they actually actively acquire lands, right? Right. So a little different focus. Well, Pacific Forest Trust uh, owns um, a, a few for, uh, private, a few chunk, uh, parcels of forest land, mm -hmm. but the primary focus is on uh, making it uh, economically ad advantageous mm -hmm. for a private landowner to manage their land uh, in a way uh, similar to the Arcata Community Forest. You know. Okay. Um, and uh, so they've done a lot of good work all over Northern California, Oregon, Washington. Mm -hmm. um, Dennis made a nice comment. It was that in in that role that he's played there, they, they've got to mix and mingle with a lot of people of all pr political persuasion, mm -hmm. and and found found common ground. Well, in my uh, closing years in the legislature, I was able to chair the Assembly Natural Resources Committee, mm -hmm. and I put together a working group of forest uh, lumber companies, foresters, mm -hmm. forest landowners, and conservationists. Mm -hmm to work together to kind of come up with some common solutions. And we had some success hmm. and Pacific Forest Trust was key to that, but it is what Dennis was talking about. And you're mentioning, yeah. uh, which was to leave your guns at the door and, and open your mind and listen. And, and that's the idea of incentivizing private landowners. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not necessary. It's not uh, creating more government ownership. Mm -hmm. It's uh, trying to make sure that the vast majority of forest lands, which um, have been, impacted by logging um, and uh, outside of the the um, national forests in this state and national parks, um, most of the forest lands are privately owned mm -hmm. and uh, helping forest landowners move to a better level mm -hmm. of environmental uh, sustainability and yeah. support for, uh, and it's using incentives instead of j just the rules. Mm -hmm. It's a carrot instead of a stick. One more thing you said, and I'll, we'll move on from that, is it, it, it's not a big love fest. There, there's, there's a lot of... There, <laughs> Took years. Took a little work. Huh, takes years. Yeah. Takes years. Yeah. Yeah. Takes some work. Um, but it's it's good for the soul. I good mean, work. Yeah. It's it's like part of connected to my evolution in terms of looking back at 
our attitude towards some of the old timers in Arcata when we took over the political uh, sure. operation that took over City Hall, how it must have felt, and 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 learning to respect and appreciate different points of view, which um, I know there might be some old-timer out there saying, I wish he'd learned that lesson 50 years ago. Uh, now uh, and, we are them. And I'll fast to, fast to having had a long and winding road to concluding that it's important to, to yeah. listen and respect other points of view, but I, like I think that's where we need to be and where we need to go. Mm-hmm. So where do you see opportunity ahead in terms of, uh, you know, we settled here a lot and talked about homelessness and, and, and you have... We haven't touched on that. And that's fine. But in terms of uh, jobs, homelessness, medical, uh, where, where do you? I hear you saying the university holds a lot of a lot of keys to a lot of this. I don't think any one thing holds, you know, the uh, uh, the solution for it all. But what what are your what are your what's your sense about our future? Well, there are not unfortunately singular solutions. Yeah, sadly. Um, yeah, I do have in spite of. A little bit of criticism of ourselves a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I do have a lot of confidence in this community and its mm-hmm. capacity mm-hmm. to find solutions and find unique solutions. And um, I think we have to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have a tight, strong relationship with our legislators in mm-hmm. Sacramento, mm-hmm. Um, who fortunately we've been blessed uh, that they've not neglected us. I, when Patty Berg and I uh, both left the legislature. I thought it might be the last time we'd have anybody from up here, and it mm-hmm. may be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do know that we need to keep them connected, and they've mm-hmm. helped a lot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, both uh, our current assembly member and our senator. Uh, but we need to keep that that connection strong mm-hmm. because um, the worst thing that can happen to us is that in our self-satisfaction, we isolate ourselves. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. We uh, cut out. Yeah. Now, is Rusty running for assembly? Uh, yeah, he is. I wasn't going to mention names. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Hey, Rusty. <laughs> He's, uh, and he lives in Arcata. He right? does. He does. See, I kind of like that. I, I, Someone that, has to come home to be in Humboldt County. Right. And he would be, have a, he would have a pulse and. His wife's here and his home's here. He has to go through that airport up there and. Or drive. Or see a doctor here, you know, and deal with the ER mm-hmm. or, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I, I. I, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that, that can't hurt. I like but that. But if he's not successful, and we don't know what's going to happen, there's a passel of candidates running. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to work as we did with uh, Mike McGuire and Jim Wood mm-hmm. to make sure that they know us and care for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, uh, our current congressman, our previous congressman, Mike Thompson, make mm-hmm. sure that they're connected, mm-hmm. even if they live 200, 300 miles away. Yeah, you know? and they seem to pay attention to Humboldt, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, lucky for you, you've reached a part of the show where we ask you a couple questions about, uh, well, fun stuff. So, uh, Wesley, you're given uh, a $500 gift certificate to go eat out. Where do you where do you take your sweetheart tonight? Uh, Larapin. It's always Larapin. <laughs> yeah. We're always working on it. Larapin comes up a lot here. We're always working on finding a new favorite. And yeah. we and we do spread it around, but if it's a special occasion, yeah. it's it's always Larapin. And you know, uh Cindy and I go back to Dixie at, at the at the, the uh Hilltop Tavern in West Haven. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh and, and for I the think. whole time I was in the legislature, Dixie put on every and actually her successor in ownership uh, is that Paul? Paul, yeah. Uh, put on an annual holiday gala fundraiser for me uh, in December every year. How about that? And it would, we'd post it online, and it would sell out immediately. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. And um, 
Uh, so I have just a fond, fond uh, uh, feel, and I have to give Paul credit for keeping that spirit, uh, uh, that Dixie spirit alive. And I got a little quick little story. I sure. don't know. We're running out of time. You're but great, yeah. I was walking into a Mexican restaurant in uh, Fair Oaks, uh, east of Sacramento, mm-hmm. and who was sitting there talking to her son, but Dixie. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So we had a fun, very fun. That was we, Dixie's son? Yeah, her son lives, at, lives in Fair Oaks. And has a Mexican restaurant? Or we just didn't no, no, they were just there. How about that? And I think he's, uh, she still owns, I believe, or they did uh-huh. until recently, the, the sauces. Uh-huh, they the, sold the restaurant, but they still own the sauces. Oh, man. And he, I think, believe is the, the, yeah, the, what, what's the right term? He manages and markets that. Okay. Um, for, uh, for, for her, for them. I'm not sure what the ownership the mustard dill is. sauce, by the way, put it on anything. It's amazing. The barbecue is great. Yeah. Funny, we just ate there Tuesday night. It was delicious. Had the lamb and, we met, uh, our daughter lives up in Boise. We have nine kids and they're all over Amsterdam and Medford, but uh, their friends who've traveled the world uh, ate there and they said, hey, uh, every bit as good as anything in California. And, and there's French an, laundry, anything. And there's an atmosphere. There's a vibe, yep. And I don't know how Paul has successfully, I thought it was just Dixie, but <clears> he's, you walk in there and it still feels, it feels I can feel the spirit of Dixie there. Yep. Uh, so he's really... Uh, Managed. I mean, he's in some ways made it his own, but he's also preserved yeah. that real, that special feel. The atmosphere there is wonderful. Never too. had a bad meal, not ever, not even close. So, it was what was it called? Because the our wait staff was telling us it was on the hill when it was in West Haven. Yeah, and it was called the Hilltop Tavern. And I don't That's know right. that building might be the West Haven Center for the Arts, or it's, it was a it was, com- a. it was kind of a little cafe. Yeah, thing, right. Yeah, um, and you know Dixie's story at all? I don't know if we have time to tell it. She was married to Pear, who was well, long before that. Okay, no. Uh, the owner, when Fred Neighbor and Joyce Howe owned John Belaya in the mm-hmm. early seventies, yeah, uh, they hired her to come in on Friday nights, or maybe she just made the money of. She did these small plate meals on Friday nights before that? the band early in the evening, uh-huh. and people loved her food. Oh yeah, and so some people, in my understanding of the story, I may it may be apocryphal, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> my understanding of the story is that. People, some of the patrons said, Dixie, you need to be in business and we'll help you put the money up to open. Sure. And uh, she opened it little, in a little hovel in West Haven, which of course <laughs> was just went boom, 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 oh, yeah. and grew into Larrapin. Larrapin's still not centrally located. I was going to say that it should be successful because it's on the other side of the other side of Trinidad. Once upon a time, that was the highway, but you know. Right, right. Was that the old Colonial Inn? Is that what it was? I, yep, yep. Yeah. Wow. No, you're right. It's it's, it's captured that same vibe and it's uh, delicious and Hey, and then hey, Pear, Pear came later and then uh, uh, I think helped her diversify the menu. She was pretty oriented towards Southern cooking initially, and he yeah. kind of made it a little more uh, continental, a little broader in its its uh, Larrapin good. Focus. Yeah. What was it, Pear? Was he Danish? I maybe he's could I'm be not, Dutch. I don't I know. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um. And what did they serve up on the hill just to park on that? Because I think it's a well, I Legacy, remember I remember special. chicken and ribs, and it, it, and and it ribs. had kind of a southern southern flavor. You right, know? yeah. Um, and then they moved down and they diversified their menu a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, delicious food. Uh, so, okay, uh, round two. You get a, a day to go for a hike. Where do you go? If and you can't say the arcade, uh, you could say whatever forest you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a hard one because I got a lot of favorites. Um, are you top three? I, I'd say if with if time is limited, it's the marsh or the Arcata Forest. Sure. Um, uh, and and it depends on whether I'm alone or not because Cindy, we have a beach wheelchair. 
Oh, nice. Cindy, oh, yeah. Cindy can't hike a rugged trail or even very far on a level trail. But, but on a um, beach chair. I'm able, for example, to take her up um, Lady Bird Johnson Grove. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of a <laughs> push, pushing her up the hill, but right. we're able to do that. Beautiful. And bro. now at Prairie Creek, they have this amazing device. It's an uh, electric um I don't know what, I can't remember what it's called, but it's got a track on it. It's like a small tractor. How about that? And it allows uh, people, you have to reserve it because it's uh -huh. very popular. But anybody out there who's not mobile, I encourage you to try it. Really? Go, You go to the, the headquarters at Prairie Creek and you can, you got to call them or go online. And Is there just one, one of yeah. those? Yeah. And then there's a designated safe trail for it, but uh, but it's spectacular. Is it the trail right where the right creek behind is? The, by right the, behind, between the creek and the campground, yeah. The HQ right there. Yeah. And uh, it's a it's wonderful. Cindy loves it. Uh, another short, very short one, if we don't have time, is, and we take the beach wheelchairs out to Clamp Beach, you know. Okay, sure. Um, so there's a few. There's some right there, yeah. Jenny likes to go out in Malal Dunes and hike that. Well, that's there. a personal, uh, I don't get out there very mm -hmm. often, but... When I do, it is a super personal favorite. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should be pointing these on the map, but I, th I think I'll resist that temptation right now. Um, so, let as we close here, what do you um, what do you want us to say at your your funeral and your celebration of life? And what does it say on your your tombstone if you could envision that? And what what would you have us uh, say about Wesley? Hmm. Well, that I, I, I cared a lot, mm -hmm. um, that I realized that life is a journey and not a destination and that it's a learning curve. Yeah. And I had to be open to learning that I didn't know as, as much as I thought I knew. Such a great lesson. Um, and, uh, and it humbled me, you know, mm -hmm. made me, I think, a better mm -hmm. servant of the public and, mm -hmm. uh, taught me to, uh, to do a better job and, uh, uh, Try to try to see others. Try to understand uh, other people's perspectives and what life might look like from their point of view. Whether it's somebody who came from a different culture, mm -hmm. a different color skin, mm -hmm. uh, or just that they politically disagree with me, yeah, uh, about something. Um, love it. Yeah, no, I love that. And by the way, that's going to take a really big tombstone to put all that on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose I should start worrying. Getting to the age I am, I should start thinking about what they, what, what I want. What we really want is a, a bench at the marsh. That would be my. Uh, That's cool. We did when Cindy's folks died. We, we we installed a bench on the, on the Hammond Trail overlooking the river and the ocean. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, that's a substitute for the old burial spot. You know. What was her her What were their names? Uh, Wayne and Crystal. Okay. Kellogg. Yeah, I think I've seen that bench. Yeah, it's it's just at the bottom of Murray Road. It's if you turn at the bottom of Murray Road on the paved uh, section, it'd be the first bench you come to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my wife walks it, runs it a lot. Joni Hammond on the Hammond Trail. I wondered about that if there was yeah. any connection. Well, I was going to really lie to you right now and try to be funny, but uh, I, it won't work. The um, they didn't name it after you. So with my teenagers, it's like, hey, Scott Hammond, Hammond Trail. <laughs> really? Oh, that's a yeah, great great grandfather Jedediah Hammond ran. Hammond Lumber, uh, which is, it's all the lies. But the, the truth is Hammond Lumber had that rail bed and uh, they were the number one. There's another example. Yeah. Number it, one Redwood producer. Yeah. And then they, they monopoly bust, they broke the monopoly. Yeah. Well, they uh, hauled a whole lot of those old growth trees out, but they offered us a preserved uh, road bed that is now a phenomenal trail. Hey man. And we, so, and more trails coming. Yeah. You know, between we just walked that new section south of Eureka down to the power plant. 
This is ma- magical. I'm looking. There's this cloud show going. I'm going. This is it's sweet. It's not raining and it's not very warm or sunny, but it was just and that views. that impulse to restore wetlands has uh, spread from Arcata to uh, Eureka and beyond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, the trail, the trail ethos, and mm-hmm. we're going to get one to Blue Lake one day, and then I guess one to uh, I don't know San Francisco. Well, that's what they say. It'll be probably not in our lifetime, but yeah. Uh, it's a great get, dream, and I, I'm all for it. We'll get started. <laughs> hey, Wesley, appreciate your service. Thank you for everything you've done for, for uh, the county me. and are doing. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I hope, hope to see you soon, and thank you again. Well, thank you. All right, have a good day. Hey, thanks for listening today to 100% Humble. Reach back to us, follow us, share us. And thanks again to our guest. This is Scott Hammond. Come back next time and learn what it is to be 100% Humble.